to be Pays Pals, Pay Pals. Pay interviews awesome people who happen to be his pals. Pay Pals! Hey there, what's a nice person like you listening to a podcast like this? You are listening to Pay Pals, and today I am interviewing my pal Henry. Henry is actually a childhood friend, and for me at least, one of the few childhood friends at the macro level to carry on like no time has passed. There's really something about people who you've known for 30 years, give or take, whose entire history you know, whose family you know well, I guess they kind of become a sort of family as well. So me and Henry, we grew up together, our families live about 5 minutes away from each other, we went to school together, we were boy scouts and then became eagle scouts together, we had lots of sleepovers, we tried to figure out how to look and dress cool as teenagers together. Spoiler alert, long bangs were not the answer. Family aside, Henry is one of the most interesting people I know. Actually, I should say he is one of the most superlative, because no matter what you can think of, he lives by extremes and contrarian views. For instance, he liked a pair of shoes and bought 10 pairs, I believe. Or how when he was young, he would refuse to practice piano a single day in his life despite taking lessons for years. Or how it took him until his 20s to accept eating vegetables. It makes for a good intellectual sparring partner, to say the least. Anyway, Henry is right now, currently, in the middle of an eat-pray-love phase of his life, and I finally convinced him to visit me in Bangkok and experience a bit of life outside of the U.S. In a former life, he was one of the founders of a gaming startup that got acquired and a software engineer. These days, he's been spending his time in an interesting pursuit. Boredom. We'll talk about it. In this episode, we also talk about why he thinks he is a combination of Ewan McGregor and Kevin Costner, how his avoidance of expectations has shaped his life, for better or worse, why his favorite word right now and for the past three years has been abide, and his ongoing exploration of disposable friendships and conversations. Thanks, Henry. Hey, pals! So, Henry, you're in Thailand. Yes, I am. What did we just do? We just got a mani-pedi. It's not bad, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I am self-conscious about it because I don't take care of my feet. But, yeah. But, uh, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's cool. I just think it wears off pretty fast. Oh, there's this weird element for me still, even though I live in Thailand where like, you have this person like, serving you, right? What about massages, though? Same? I do that more, so I'm more used to it. But at, oh, okay, first, okay. at first, that was pretty weird, too. Like the similar service concept is, like, what about it is weird to you? Well, you don't grow up with that in the U.S., I don't mm. I think. And then you, you come here and then there's like, you have this concept of, of like nannies and helpers. Mm -hmm. Kind of act like your servants or butlers in the lives of people here in Asia. So, Do you think it would be helpful if you like became friends with them? <laughs> I mean, the language barrier is obviously... Hard. That might make it weirder. Okay. Yeah, because Fair there's enough. supposed to be this weird like caste division. But anyway, okay. so much to the surprise of everyone, you finally came to Thailand. Is this a surprise? Yes. Did you believe I would never come? Yes. See, what? You, you came in you came in January. Yeah. Eh, like less than six months. That's not that's not that bad, right? Well, I haven't lived in the US since two thousand twenty sixteen. Well, I mean the convergence of you and JJ in Thailand, I suppose, was a became a bigger epicenter. Okay. So what finally convinced you to come then? Timing. So the timing was you and JJ hanging out together and Hong randomly calling me and asking me about wedding venue to visit a wedding venue. And I was like, that sounds like a good enough reason for me to come. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just surprised that you came at this point right now because you've kind of had a lot of freedom for how long? A, a year? Half 11 a year? months now. Oh, God. June, June 27th. Right. So 11 months, right? So I was like, if he's not going to do it in the first year, I don't know that he's going to do it. I guess I am contrarian in that way where I, I want to do it when people least expect. That is, uh, that's very me. Yeah. Like that, when everyone gives up hope, that's perfect. That's perfect to surprise them. I didn't think about that as surprising. It was more that like now no one's, no one expects it. Like I said, it's the same. I was more just like no one's thinking about it anymore. Like everyone gave up. So the spotlight is not on you. Yeah. So I can do. Pressure's off. Oh, okay. Yeah. Expectation's gone. Yeah. I feel like these things, these keywords are things we talk about a lot and they're also very present in your life from yes. a long time ago. Yes. So expectation, right? Uh-huh. My favorite word. Or least, least, least favorite. favorite. Where does that? What do you think that comes from? So, so may, let me let me take a, a stab at based on what I know at you, right? So, a lot of expectations on you from when you were a kid, just pushing you, pushing you, pushing you in a certain direction. You didn't want to go there, but you just kept getting pushed there. And at some point, you're like, "No, I don't want to." Mm. And then now we're 37, and then you still don't want to. 
I'll have to think about that a little bit. But my okay, my my version of that off the cuff is yes. life was really easy in like when I was young. Like everything was easy. I think expectations were high, but it just seemed like they were easy to hit, like from a academic and life standpoint. Like the things that were told to me that were important. Okay. And so I don't think that became that was as much of an issue then, but I think that built up the root of expectations being important. But they weren't something that I felt I was fighting against when I was young. Okay. So that actually built up even more. Yeah. Okay. Can you pinpoint a time when you were like actively starting to think like, no, I don't want to do this? Mm, The first one that comes to mind is sleeping, like healthy sleeping habits. Okay. Yeah. I mean, my, my, like my, my parents would, my mom, my mom specifically would want me to sleep like a healthy time. And I think what junior high, high school was when I started basically attempting, maybe my rebellion was to try to sleep 10 hours a week. Oh God. <laughs> okay. I, and I did it. I, I, I did it for five, six years. Yeah. I didn't, I actually didn't remember this, but now, I, now that you're saying this is kind of, I'm having a deja vu. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, this sounds familiar. Yeah. I was super proud about it. <laughs> yeah. What else were you proud know, about? I don't know why I was so proud about that. Something about sh- uh, uh, oh, shorts, right? T-shirt and shorts. Yeah, yeah. In the cold. Yeah, in, what the, was Cal- it? in the California cold of all things, which is not not cold, by the way. Oh, for those who don't it's know, like 40, 40, 40 during the day. Forty there's no, Fahrenheit. There's no snow. Okay, but anyway, the point is when people, other people, were like, "I'm gonna wear a jacket. I'm gonna wear a vest. I'm gonna wear like a sweater. Like I'm gonna layer." You're just like out there gallivanting in shorts and t-shirt. Yes. Because. Uh. I don't remember having a reason other than expectation. I could do it. There was, I mean, there was no expectation there at that time for that one. I suppose there was the reaction of what I'm supposed to do, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But that one, off the top of my head, I don't know if that was like because of expectations I did that. What about because of contrarianness about that? Okay. Let me put put it this way. This could be turned around, but in my head, it was just like t-shirt and shorts are comfortable. I wore them through all the summer and spring and I was like why can't I wear them then I don't know like that was just the simplicity of it and okay. people made it into more you know okay like you're not supposed to but to me I was like why why, why not fair they're more comfortable than pants okay um let's see what are other special things about you from junior high oh high actually school? I have a I, okay sorry last point on that Please. I think it's because I want to play basketball year-round okay and like why do I want to change to run out to play basketball at brunch and lunch Henry this makes you sound quite reasonable I think there's logic behind the contrarianism. Okay, whether well, whether it's good logic, there's still some logic. Okay, what about this thing about vegetables? <laughs> okay, let's, oh let's, the vegetable the vegetable thing go. might the vegetable thing might actually predate sleep, but I don't know about the expectations part. Um, well, my my earliest memory was my parents offered me a million dollars to eat a piece of broccoli, and I said no, and I was I think four years old. Wow, because <laughs> you knew you were like you're lying to me. I, don't I trust you. think I just didn't want to give the other person the satisfaction of winning. What do you call that? Contrarianness? Stubbornness? No, rebelliousness, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't know which which adjective to use exactly, but a combination of all of that. Okay. Yeah. We're I think getting... I could even believe that she would have actually given me a million dollars and I still wouldn't do it. It wasn't mm. even a disbelief. Okay. Yeah. And then this vegetable thing. So from, from I'm, not my that ba- memory, I'm not that bad anymore. Okay, okay, hold on. But this is this is years later. This is twenty thirty years later. Okay, let's let's go through the journey. So, uh, as I recall, you just were like, "No, I'm anti-vegetable. Will not." A little more specific. I think I didn't know at the time, but looking back, it was um, I would not eat raw vegetables. Okay, nothing raw had to basically be melted, like in soup. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So like I would take 15 minutes to pick out all like the shredded cabbage and fried rice, put it off to the side, like half the plates, the vegetables, half the plates, the rest, and I'd eat the rest. Hey, you still don't eat onions, right? Raw onions. I saw you pick no them way. out last night. Raw onions? No way. I saw them. I saw you. No, there's no way I would eat that. There's okay. no way I would eat that. Yeah. That yeah, I was not. That that raw. Yeah. I was not mistaken. There's literally one raw vegetable slash garnish that I would eat, and that is cilantro. That is the only one to date. Oh, the most polarizing of... I know, right? Yeah. It doesn't taste like rubber to me. Interesting. How very contrarian of you. I I still never look at that stuff as contrarian. It is just like my my appetite, or not appetite, my uh my palate. Okay. I don't know. All right, all right, all right. So fast forward today. Are you still keeping any of your contrarian? What I I call it contrarian. You okay, call okay, it something fair. else. What I would call a contrarian yes. approach to life. Yes, I do. How is that? I can win, never have it ever, twenty times over on everyone. Mm, it's a good or a bad thing. 
it's a fun party trick, but also <laughs> it's a party trick. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I did it in the I did it in the where was I? The Philippines, and it pretty much shocked everyone. Yeah, I do believe you would win. Yeah, there's always one. There's always one item that shocks people. Okay. Yeah, like I'm saying, like it's different for each person, but there's always one item somewhere along the way. Sure. I would say up until maybe five years ago, around five years ago, I was super proud about it, and okay. now for the last five years, I'm probably like at the junction of I don't want it to be my identity, but I don't want to change it. So like I just don't want to, I don't want to tell people about it. I'm not going to like force it into conversation. You feel like you forced it into conversation? Or- Absolutely before. I wanted the shock and awe. What do you feel like so 5 years, right? So 5 years ago, what do you feel like you wanted the adjective to be surrounding you? Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Not normal. So do you feel like that's why there's some of these not vanilla. Vanilla but not vanilla. Yeah, different aspects, but yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like that's why there's some of these interesting habits or mindsets you keep because you you just wanted to be like to persist that that like that part of my life yeah absolutely okay yeah seems totally worth it still to date okay so you don't keep that you don't tell people about that stuff anymore so what what is the adjective you like now what do you mean by adjective like like to describe myself yeah i think still contrarian but not in regards to like the same type of stuff like never having done stuff or never having eaten something the food stuff is like it feels like five years ago so five years ago okay <laughs> so your palate is expanded no I, I, that's all I was saying is nothing about my palate has changed. Yes. But I just don't want to like, I don't want to proactively bring it up as oh, my party trick. Got it. So I actually feel like somewhat like ashamed to bring it up when it comes up. Oh. Like the greatest example is like when tea gets poured. Like and I'm we're hanging out and like they pour the tea at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm good. Right. Yeah. Try, I try to keep it. In the past, I would kind of blurt it out. I'd be like, yeah, I never had it. But right, like right. now it'd be like, I just want to be like, I just don't feel like having tea, but I don't want to like. You don't want the attention. I don't want to say, I don't want to have to explain anything. I just want to, I, like used to, right. I used to be like, come out, go out of my way to explain it and then try to get that initial shock. What are other things you would like pull out of your pocket to create this shock factor about yourself? There's, there's so many. The, all the stuff that we talked about earlier. I know. Like the never sleeping, working, like the number of hours I can work in a week, right? Like any quantitative metric that people think there's a limit to, I want to go above that or go- Or below, right? Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Or just okay. like the nevers, right? Like, yeah. Okay, so well, let's let's stick on this work thing. So the okay. typical work hour is 40 hours, right? Yeah. You're at a work, I know, you know, we'll go into your background a little bit in a second, but like, yeah, you were, you've been in startup uh, environments for a very long time. So maybe the typical, say 60 or something? What like startup? for a startup, right? For a small. Oh, no, no, startup. no. I would say like my like let's say like when I was when I was working with my high school friends. Yes, they would work easily twelve plus hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. Yeah, that's like that's like the grind, right? That's like yeah, healthy grind. Yeah, well, sort of with minimal time to sleep and have a personal life. It's not strange in that context. Yeah, like ten to yeah. ten. Well, okay. Or yeah, like ten to ten. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jack Ma. So what about you? What were you doing at that time? Yeah, so I, I had my own like security issues about being as productive or, you know, like missing out on progress on work. So I worked, what did I do? I would show up to work at around, like, so when everyone comes in at 10, then I leave, I would go home to sleep at around 11, come back at two or three. So yeah. I would, yeah, so I'll basically work like, yeah, it was, that, was that like 18 to 20 hours a day, seven days a week? Yeah. Oh, what a good yeah. employee though. Yeah, but that, like, no one wanted that. They all wanted me to go home. I, I, I did that. Do you feel like your work pro- your work output could have been better if you slept more? I never considered that. I, I to me it was I never wanted to be as efficient as possible per hour. I just wanted to give it my all. But mm-hmm. my all was never from an efficiency standpoint, right? That's something that like I think many other people viewed like you know work hard play hard. For me it's like yeah. work and play all at the same time but never stop. Say that one more time. Like work and play at the same time but never stop. Like to me when okay. I was when I was working for let's say 18 20 hours a day, yeah, it was play. Because you were with your friends. Yes. Okay. I kind of get that. Yeah. Okay. So I never made it into a efficiency like like thing. Okay. Because then then it wasn't play anymore. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. So okay, you had this kind of aim of being a shocking guy, shocking interesting guy. Now after these past five years, something's different, right? Yeah. I mean, I I don't necessarily say it's maturity, but more just now I'm more interested in finding. Finding myself? I don't know. It's a good aim. Yeah. Or I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in exploring what else there is. Okay. Other than my own shock and awe. <laughs> okay. Instead of avoiding things, maybe you're partaking in more things to explore. That's, that's probably too hopeful to say for me, but sure. In theory. 
in theory. Okay, well, I think maybe now is a good time to get into your your background. So, how do we meet? How long have we known each other? Okay, so let's see. We're old. Thirty. Thirty years. <sighs> that's 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 round. That's round up a little, maybe. Let's, you said sure. you said maybe eight years old. So yeah, thir- something thirty like years. That. Yeah. So I guess the context is that yeah, we all went to elementary school, junior high, high school together, and yeah. then um, yeah, we live like three minutes. I don't know. When we were younger, it was like a four-minute walk. Now it's like a two-minute walk because our legs are longer. <laughs> sure. So our parents all know each other. We all grew up together. Us and a kind of a group of other, pretty much people that are like identity-wise, like the same exact. The seven same, spring right? seven. Yeah, seven that was, that was us. <laughs> uh, up plus or minus, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then we're all like, uh, our parents are all immigrants, you know, and then our we are all you know ABC first generation, yeah. and then like all of our Chinese sucked, and then you know. Yes. As it is. But you know, something interesting is that like, when I go places now and like, I didn't realize this until I was, well, you know, we were older, but I was like, I realized it was kind of weird that my, I never actually used my English name. What do you mean? Like you never use... Who do you know that has only a Chinese name that's an ABC? Well, not you, many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you're not the only one, but... But sure. pretty, very few, right? Yeah. And it's like, be- count yeah. on my hands. Right. And that's because like, because of the place we grew up was so Taiwanese. And like, yes. I was just like, oh, it's just my name. So you felt totally fine with that. You like it never felt awkward. No, because okay. like you know, I go to your house and I mm-hmm. say, "Oh, you know, we're all speaking, we're not speaking Chinese, but they're speaking Chinese, and we're <laughs> we're using English back to them." But it was all just kind of in this environment of like, it's fair, normal, normal. Or our uh, our Asian American bubble, right? I like totally. to think of it as like we were the we like we were privileged in the sense that we were the majority somehow, right? Asian American, Chinese American, we're like we were the majority where we grew up. Um, Which is pretty rare. That is pretty rare. You know, I just talked about this with someone else, and it's like, that's pretty rare. So I felt pretty good growing up, I guess. Well, we we were the white male. <laughs> we were the white male. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you remember this? There was this Wall Street Journal article about Monta Vista. No. Do you remember this? No. It's It was called White Flight. You remember this? Oh, I do remember that one, though. Oh, yeah. Okay, so White Flight was basically about... It's like they in Wall Street Journal, kind of a hack job of, a, of journalism, by the way, on this one. Because they were like, you drive into Cupertino and then you see all these slippers and shoes outside the doors. It's like, yeah, the, it's like yeah, so racist. Cause we don't, <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because we don't wear our dirty shoes inside. Excuse me. So anyway, so yeah. And then you drive into Cupertino and then you notice this all Asians. And then you interview some like Caucasian and white families and parents. They're like, oh yeah, we left, we're leaving Cupertino because these Asians, you know, at the time it was basically just Taiwanese. They're just, they're just mm-hmm. studying too hard. They're making too much of a pressurized situation for our kids. And then like... It's too much competition for college, basically. Yeah. And I have two reactions to that. The first one is, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Not good. But then the second one is also like, do better. Do better for your kids. That's fair. Yeah, what do I, you think? I also, I mean, my, my, my first reaction was probably the same to your first one. But my, my second reaction was, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for setting it up. Because my, my take on white flight was uh, Asians typically, I, I maybe don't fully stereotype, but Asians typically wouldn't build a city like Cupertino. We wouldn't fund that we, we are too value-based to fund and build up a city to the point of that excellence and so we needed that to pre-exist and then we came in and maximized that yeah we come to an already and, set uh, table yes and then and then the people who set it up were like shoot other people are taking advantage of what we set up and yeah now they need to go set it up somewhere else that's, I that's how I, that's how i saw white flight sounds yeah. smarter though sounds like a smarter way to do to live life and do i res- i admire that other people are willing to do the work to set it up and uh you know so thank you you have a pretty. They all good went point. to they all went to Saratoga. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. That moved Saratoga or uh, what is it, Los Gatos? Yeah, yeah. You know, pretty different demographic, to say the least. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so we grew up together. We know each other a very long time, even though we don't really always keep in touch. But you know, mm-hmm. it's really really nice to have you here right now. Yeah. And um, I guess there's something there's something about people that you've known for such a long time. It's just that like. I don't know. It's like this mixture of becoming family and then a, a and something else where it's just like you can just always pick up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think even like the fact that we have like not the same, but just like similar upbringing, and then we already have the assumption of just knowing yeah. how we grew up, right? Like that stuff cuts through a lot of the initial BS. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it kind of if you find out that someone grew up in in Cupertino around the same time as us, you're like, oh, I pretty much know who you are, who you are as a person. Yeah. You can say like three words and be like, they'd be like, yeah. Yeah, and it's not. I th- I kind of like it. It's like, do you cry? You cry when you got a minus. It's like everyone else will be like, yeah. "What are you talking about? What are you talking about, you weirdo?" Yeah, see, yeah, yeah. It's like our own little language, right? Right. Yeah. How many APs did you take? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> yeah. 
1550, 1560? No. Yeah, anyway. Um, so then, you know, you went to, uh, I guess we didn't hang out too much after high school because you went yeah. to CMU. Yeah, I, I mean, I was one of the few, I was, I would want to say, I'm one of the few that left California for That's college. True. And that was intentional. Why? To some degree. I mean, I, I applied to, I applied to, I think, 40 colleges individually. Well, that says something. I didn't do it like that. Was that the universal application thing? I, I manually applied to it, like 40 colleges. I think that really says something about you. I wanted to leave. Well, I didn't have the confidence to know where I was going to go. Oh, okay. Right? So I shotgunned it. But yes, I was afraid of, and this is not an indictment on what that life would look like, but I was afraid of what it would look like for me to just go to college in California, where let's say 30 of my classmates from high school would go, and I would stay friends with them, finish college, come back home, and then like basically have the same friends for the rest of my life. Joke's on you. That did happen. <laughs> Even though well, you left, you didn't have to say that so soon. But yes, spoiler alert. Yes, that was. I'm sorry, uh, I spoiled it. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, though. Go no, ahead. no, no. Yeah, they, yeah, no, yeah. That 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 did happen. But at the time, I was like, I would like to not intentionally aim for that. Yeah. Okay. So you wanted something different. Yeah. The plan going to so I went to Carnegie Mellon in Pittsburgh. Um, the plan was to stay on the East Coast after. Little did I know that there was going to be a recession and and a tech boom in the Bay. True. Yeah. True. So yeah, if maybe it was kind of an inevitable thing to boomerang back. Yeah, things were out of con- things were out of my control all the time, and you know things played yeah. out the way they were meant to be, right? Um, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. So then after that, you came back and you started. So my so my so my college friends actually pulled me back to the Bay, which is funny because none of them grew up there, but they all moved there for work, and then they they pulled me into like the iPhone, which is the summer that I graduated was when the iPhone App Store came out. Okay. And so my college friends were the, what do you call it? Like the psychics or like the visionaries who saw that, let's say like two to three months before they were like, we should make apps. Mm. The app store, like SDK, like programming, like all the... What's SDK stand for? Standard Development Kit. Yeah. And what does that allow you to do? The, uh, like you can like basically the APIs and like the functions for what is possible to do on the iPhone to make an app, right? And so all that did not exist yet. It was not released. But my college friends found basically a stripped version. Like someone like basically jailbroke the iPhone and found all the functions with no documentation. So basically like there's a function name, but it doesn't tell you what it does. And we decided to spend like two to three months before the official one came out to figure out how what they all did. We ended up having like a two-month head start, which gave us some advantage. Yeah. I think at that time, that was kind of enough for a while, right? I mean, it was also the Wild West for like the first two years. Like, yeah. um, big companies didn't get in and stuff. They weren't sure what mobile was. Right. But yeah, but one of my friends basically, I asked one of my friends to teach me how to code and he read the whole SDK and we figured it out piece by piece, sat there for the summer and figured it out and it gave me my entire career. So two college friends, shout out to Bowie and Ose. I owe my career to them. <laughs> so, okay, you were acquired and then you went to well, another bigger a- company. Aqua hired. Aqua hired. Aqua we, hired. We, we ran out of money. Well, acquisition hire is not quite the same. So I technically own our startup. So all of our assets, I I bought it for a penny. A penny? Yeah. So they didn't, they hired our people. They didn't take any of our IP. Seriously? Yeah. It wasn't worth anything. We had like $4 million in art that basically never saw light of day. That's too bad. Uh, that's too bad, but yeah, you, it you happens. It, it happens. Yeah, it's in your in your yeah, Dropbox I, well, somewhere. I own it somewhere in some Dropbox account that I don't know the password to okay, anymore. Okay, good. Well, it's worthless anyway, I guess. So you know, you kind of float around in um, this is my phrase for it, but just kind of tech purgatory for a while, middle management, or maybe just an individual sure, contributor. Yeah. Tried out know. a bunch of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it's kind of a degree of purgatory because if you're not kind of sure where you're floating towards, right? So mm-hmm. then, what happened last year? Last year, okay, so I guess we want a little bit. So mm. I worked, yeah, so okay, so I did the startup with my high school friends. So college friends and high school friends, I started out, went with high school friends, did that for six years. Yeah, we ran out of money, got acquisition hired by one of our competitors who actually was number one mobile game being company at the time, Machine Zone. They, I was with them for, I think, seven, seven years? Actually, I can't do the math in my head right now. So around seven years, they... Basically, almost IPO'd, then unfortunately made a couple tough bets. They got acquired as a bailout by a digital advertising company. And that was right around... Oh, sorry. I jumped too far. Um, 2020, I was going to quit. And I was going to take a year off to travel the world, find myself. I basically had not enjoyed programming or working for a couple of years. I had also discovered faith and basically 
was on this like spiritual journey to like, you know, find myself, you know, eat, pray, love, all that stuff. And I had the marker set for March 31st, 2020. Did something happen? Yeah. Rudy Gobert. No, I was oh, right, I was yeah. kidding. Uh, sorry, not not Rudy Gobert. It's not your fault. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, COVID happened, and basically the world shut down. And I talked to the company. They knew I was leaving then, and I was I was like, should I leave? And they were like, why don't you just stay for whatever you know this lockdown is going to be? Then three months after that, the company gets acquired. I talked to the CEO of the new company, and they're like, hey, stick it out for a year and a half, please. And I was like, I don't know how long this lockdown's going to happen. So I was like, sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so I basically stick around for a year and a half. And around that point, I had to make a call with myself. I was like, I still want to pursue the fun employment, travel the world, find myself stuff. That's still very important to me. But I had also like built a life in the Bay during lockdown. So um, in 2020, I had basically cut, that's a little harsh. I had kind of cut a lot of ties with things I had set up, like things I had going on there, right? So like all of my activities, I'd kind of like set it up to like leave. Right. Yeah. Nothing. I didn't have any huge commitments, but then during lockdown, I started doing a bunch of stuff. Right. So I started like a couple of new basketball groups. I started attending two house churches. And so these are all like things that I was very uh, excited about. And so it was harder to leave, but I had to make a call. I was like, do I still want to go or do I want to stay? And the world's also kind of like in a big unknown. Um, and so what happened was I told my company, I was like, hey, I don't think I have the guts to quit this time around, like tell you an end date. So if you can throw me into the next layoff, whenever that is, I'd really appreciate it. And then like three weeks later, there was a layoff. Really? And so te- so in their words, I wasn't going to be in it because I was, on, the, I was on, on one of the new teams. Um, but they, they put me in. And so I thank them. Yes. I, I really need that nudge. And okay. I worked, I've worked with them for like 10 plus years. They, they're all my friends. So they told me they'd hire me back if I ever want to come back. And, um, and so, yeah, very, I, I, yeah. I was like, if I, if I could again, I'd go back. This is a no risk situation, basically. Yes. Yeah, while I was giving up my salary and giving up like hey, some hey, financial security. Due to inflation, you will get a higher salary when you return. Oh, I was getting paid really well, by the way. Well, I'm, I, not, I'm not going to get that salary back. Uh, fair. Yeah, anyway. Okay. So yeah, so it was funny. I guess when I when I basically got the layoff, I was relieved. Like, you know, kind of like, I don't know. There's, there's, a, there's a pattern that we can talk about later, which is like, I like when things kind of happen out of my control in my life. Um, and they nudge me in the direction that I want, which is cool because it's not really on me to be that proactive to make it happen. So that was kind of like the perfect outcome for me. And then I just kind of like was, well, what's next, right? I had intentionally set it up so that I did not prepare for unemployment or prepare for like that year. Why? Like, I didn't like set up anything. Why? Because I, I wanted to figure it out after. I don't know. I think this for me was just simpler. It's it's not as effect. It's not as efficient, right? Again, the, there'll be another pattern which is like I generally will never do anything based on efficiency. Mm, that's um, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to the chagrin of a lot of my friends, but uh yeah, yeah. I basically started, you know, taking care of things at home, so like, you know, let's say like taking care of like the house that I owned and then um figuring out what I was going to do with all the activities I had set up. And so kind of the first thing that happened was I I wanted to move out of my place and be homeless/nomadic. And so that took me a while to do. I actually enjoyed living alone for a while. I had never done that before. So after all my housemates moved out, I lived alone for a while. That was fun. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was nomadic and I realized that one thing I really wanted to do was like live with some of my friends. So I did that for a couple months. That was great. I literally took their kids to school and picked them up and helped them with their homework. I was really um, thankful that my friends let me do that. They trusted me with that. Yeah, I lived with one of my friends for like a month and... Yeah, I, I was like, I could just do that for the rest of my life. That was really great. Be a nanny? A friend that lives with the family. But yes, Manny, labor, unofficial yeah. Manny with no expectations uh, of being one. All right. Yeah. It's the um, expectation part then. Yeah, yeah. We, we can always loop back to all these words. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're, okay. uh, they're embedded in there. Yeah. Yeah. They're littered through my entire life. Yeah. 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 And so I think I did that for a while, kind of was waiting for like the perfect impetus to leave the US. And I guess that happened. Two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, I'm glad it's here. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have it here that it says you are retiring to pursue boredom and loneliness. Yes, that is correct. What? Well, so I think I think it's kind of a little preemptive to say that I'm trying to be retired, but that is my current honest mindset. Not to be like boastful or anything, even though probably it is it is maybe like twenty percent. But I just I currently don't see myself wanting to work for money 
at the moment. And I'm and I'm uh, what's called lucky enough to have some form of savings, not that well prepared, but enough to last a while. You're right. And then the pursuit of boredom and loneliness part is I've never given myself the space to experience any of those things, and so I would like to try. And uh, eleven months in, I have tried my best to be bored, and uh, no luck, no dice. Why do you think you haven't uh, had the space or time to explore those things? Because I was just trying to go, 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 right? Like, just keep working. If I focus mm-hmm. on work, I will never be bored or lonely, right? So looking back, that was uh, pretty intentional, right? What, what, which was intentional? Oh, I guess using work as a excuse or an escape, maybe? I think it was just like what I was, what was like clearly obvious to me that the world offered as an easy out. Like the world offered this this like societally accepted thing, which is like if you work really hard, no one asks you any questions about your life. Oh, okay, I get it. Right? Yeah. yeah and yeah. so why would I be bored if I'm doing the thing that everyone thinks is worth doing? Did you think it was was it intentional at that point? Or it was just kind of like a this seems to be a good pattern for me? It seemed like it would set me up for some future that I didn't know yet. But yeah, it's not the worst thing. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Right. And so, I, I mean, not that I have regrets or anything. It's just that I, yeah. I wasn't aware of what I was actually wanting to pursue myself. I pursued something that gave me the option to figure it out later. Okay. Which I sure. guess did work out. That wasn't, that, wasn't, that wasn't intentional by my part, I don't think, right? Again, going back to what you were saying earlier, I literally was working with the intention to just be with my friends. Right. And play every day. Right, okay. And the making money part was just something that, you know, because my friends were smart enough to try to do that. They were smart enough I, to have a good I, company. I fought, I fought them pretty hard to make money. I didn't want to. <laughs> so good job. Good job. Good job, Eric's. <laughs> uh, good job, Eric's, for not listening to this code monkey. Yeah. Jesus. I, I, told, them, uh, I told them to never launch a $100 in-app purchase point because I was like, why would users ever pay for that? And how many did? Uh, we made $30,000 in the first day. Yeah. So Henry, you're smart at a lot of things. Maybe not making money, though. <laughs> Which is funny because... Uh, up until this point, up until maybe a couple of years ago, you could actually say your main pursuit based on your actions is pursuit of money because it's work. Yes, in some ways, yes. But it was more meaning and I think like and status, right? Like clout amongst like my my peers, right? Like yeah, always being someone that didn't seem like, a, for lack of a better phrase, like a loser. Um, You, you felt, so this is, I kind of feel that notion of clout and like wanting to achieve to prove yourself is it's yeah it's universal but it's especially bay area i just think it was i i mean i think definitely it was exponentially amplified in the bay because of yeah. the tech boom right and because of just how how fast everything grew right yeah and like you know if you want to just use like the business mindset it's like you know just the market cap and just like the opportunity was so big that i think it 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 just amplified it like crazy i mean you can even feel it let's say even before we we go into like the business and tech area of bay area it's like you could even feel it in high school right Right, you could feel it then too. Like even just the academic pressure that we had um, growing up, I feel like that was that was prevalent there as well. That's why white flight happened. Yes, <laughs> right. They wanted to have fun, do better. <laughs> That's why our football team sucks. But anyway, yeah. So okay, I get that. What is it? So okay, I kind of understand the boredom part. I understand that. I understand just like to me that kind of codes more as like being more carefree and not uh, thinking about things and not being stressed. Yeah. Yeah, that that makes more sense to me. The lonely part, I think I'm a little more confused about or unclear. Okay. So, I guess for me, I, I maybe I overly entangled the two. So, for like me, like for instance, boredom would lead into my pursuit of like loneliness, which is like I feel like I'm in a lot of ways I'm like so lazy, right? Like I can spend a whole day lying in bed watching like TV shows or movies or like YouTube, napping in and out and like literally not move and not feel bored or lonely for that entire like day. And to me, it's like, I think for me, maybe I'm like focused on the exploration of what boredom would be, where then I no longer feel satisfied with my current state of life. And therefore, I would want to pursue something more than what I have now, Mm. which would then be the form of like loneliness is unacceptable, like my current state of being. So, okay. Yeah. It's really the current state of being. Because I am alone, right? Like I am alone, but I don't feel lonely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How how close do you think you are? Eleven months in, how close do you are? You think to that? I've made no progress. Not so not tangibly. I I would say I would say my belief in and especially in the terms of like me like not being in control of the outcome. I believe progress is being made, but if you ask my conscious self, 
none. Is that good? Because I have not you? felt any. I have not felt bored at all. That sounds good. Sounds yeah, like but, a positive uh, thing. That's that's a positive thing, but not to the goal of getting there. I want I want to feel bored. <laughs> well, the important part is the journey, Henry. Yes, don't you know. Okay, you mentioned control again. What's that? Can you tell me more about that and how that codes in your life? Yeah, I I think a large part of my identity again up until that's just that's just round to like the five years ago point, right? Like there's like a kind of like a big inflection point in my life then was that I had to be in control of every outcome in my life, which is a big reason why like I did all the things that we've talked about before, right? Yeah. Like if I don't if I don't eat vegetables, if I don't wear long sleeves, if I don't sleep, I control the outcome of those actions. Yeah. Right? If I try new things, I am losing control to some degree, especially if it wasn't my choice. Right. So peer pressure as an example would be a great example of me losing control. That's true. Yeah. And so control was a very big I would say maybe the biggest aspect of my like daily mind space. Was that conscious? Yeah, I would say so. I I would say that I thought that that was the right thing to do, right? Like for instance, like societally and maybe even religiously, well, sorry, this is like the surface level part of it is giving up control is like very irresponsible, right? Like you could you could end up homeless and a drug addict and they paint all the worst case scenarios of what could happen if you are not in control of yourself. Oh, right. And right. you know, like addiction and everything is all based on losing control. And so I was like, sounds pretty easy if you just maintain full control of yourself at all times. Mm. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. no chances. I mean, I'm still alive. Sounds very black and white. What do you think? What do you think that came from? I mean, I just think it's something that I grew up and then basically compensated for like again, the fear of the fear of bad things happening, I feel. Right? Like if I keep it black and white, to me, there's no risk. Right? Like my my risk is reduced by a lot cuz I don't I don't That's play true. in the gray, right? If I don't play in the gray, I don't go to the wrong end. Yeah, I guess we can take a, 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 a kind of a stab at what you're. I can I can give a I can give an example of oh, please. this. Um, please. Let's just say like sex, for instance, right? Like this is this is one that I've been dealing with for many years now. Which is looking back on it, my view when I was young was, and this came from both like to say like my parents or like Asian heritage background plus church, hmm. which is like premarital sex or just like sex. Underage sex is very irresponsible and can lead to lots of bad things happening, which is like, I guess, sure. unwanted pregnancy and addictions and all that stuff, right? Porn, all these things, right? So there's so many things that people have painted that are bad about it, right? Mm. Obviously, um, now that I'm older and everyone's trying to kind of undo what trauma happened to us, people will be like, sex is good, you know? But I don't think the word sex is good, the phrase sex is good ever happened when I was young. And so, and so, okay. Mm. And so I've talked about this with some of my friends before and they said they heard the same statements, right? From school, they say like, you know, like whatever, like the dare thing uh, there's some or sex, sex ed or whatever, you know? Yeah. Whatever these things like I blacked out all these things, by the way. Um, but all of them said they heard the same statements that I heard. But as a guy, they were like, their curiosity was piqued. So they were like, Ooh, you've given me something that I can be curious about that sounds dangerous or like, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, not promiscuous, but like, it's like, it sounds like exotic, yeah. right? It sounds, it sounds like special, tempting. something tempting. Yeah. Yes. And then like, they're like 90 plus percent of people walk towards the curiosity, right? They're curious. I'm like, I'm like the idiotic 10% that was like black and white. Like, no, like, sounds good. Thank you for the warning. I will just not even walk towards the line, right? So like, yeah. I'm basically, if there was like, you know, if there was like football field where like the other end is the is the cliff that lets you go into the domain of what people are saying is dangerous. Yeah. People start walking towards it. They're like, well, what if I take like two steps towards it? Not that bad, right? So I'm still alive. Like, right. you know, but I'm like, I'm at the zero yard line. It's an interesting analogy you used because yeah. you said there was a cliff there. Yeah. That's what, that's what everyone's telling you, right? Like, right. Whether or not there actually yeah. is a cliff, right. they're telling you, you could fall to the bottom of the bottom. Yeah. Right. That that's that's what uh like prevention and every, sex prevention, all this stuff was, right? I guess so, yeah. Everyone's telling you about what like what, what like don't do it. By the way, this right. is why they have there's a lot, been a lot of studies about this that uh abstinence as a sex mm-hmm. education is like a huge failure. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of I agree. pregnancies. I am living proof of that. Oh well, I guess so. Yeah. I suppose so. On okay. on both ends, yes. What's the other end? Or is it, you're saying like people like abstinence as a as a as a concept also just leads to a lot of people Still having sex, <laughs> but it, right, but not knowing anything about it. Correct, correct. Because all they yeah. learned was no. Right, right. Oh, so you feel that's kind of where you're at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I see. 
this reminds me of a memory I have with you. I think we must have been at some sleepover, right? We used to have sleepover at Eric's place. All, like, yeah, yeah. Every house. Yeah, summer, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, last one was when we were like senior year of high school. That was kind of cool. And then uh, we put, <laughs> you remember, James fell asleep first because he always did. And uh-huh. then we put a watermelon on him. <laughs> I don't remember, I but okay, you did it. Okay, <laughs> and he did not wake up. Anyway, uh-huh. so um, yeah, I remember it must have been during one of those sleepovers. We found a movie that we were not really supposed to be watching. Yes, and then I vaguely remember this. Go ahead. No, continue. And yeah. well, and then in my memory, it's like there was like maybe a, a, a saucy or like a sex scene, and then mm-hmm. like, man, you just covered. You literally covered your eyes. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, that was another one of my claim to fames. By the way, oh. I actually gloated about the fact that I had never seen nudity female nudity um up until i was 25 i could boldly claim i never saw mm. yeah do i want to ask people 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 lost their shit uh when i told them <laughs> well, what did did someone staple your eyes open at 25 or something what do you mean show staple? you a boob no I, I i think at 25 i basically had to make a call to basically say like is this really a healthy thing to be doing to to this point, even okay, even early, even just earlier when we were walking back, you asked me if I saw if I had looked at that girl that we walked by, right. and I was like, no, because I have trained myself to just not look. Do you think it's right? So do you think it's you really didn't? I'm not. Look? I'm not. Okay, sorry, sorry, not to cut you off there, but yeah, okay. uh, so back then when I was yeah. like, let's say before I was 25, yeah, I would have been like, I am in the right to not look, and it would be wrong for me to have looked, and I would feel bad. Now, okay, in this case, it's I don't think it was wrong that I, if I had looked, right. but I am still trained personally trained to not look so what does that mean you you see a girl there and you literally do not see her or like, no i'm like oh there's a girl there that's cool like at best i can notice she's at best i can notice she's wearing like not that much clothes and i'm like cool right yeah and then i'm like okay okay yeah right but like that's it what did you see at 25 what do you mean i just decided to like i don't even know i like honestly i didn't remember I, i wish i had like locked that memory more like poignantly or something but i was just like all right, well, let me just like go try to find like some, yeah, I'll just like, I'll just look and like what happens now. And like, you know, maybe to some degree, I was like, it's going to blow my mind and I'm going to be like all the time, all the time, all the time clicking. But then oh, I was like, oh, I, I did that. Oh, nothing changed. Huh? Yeah. No, nah. Not actually that interesting. Yeah. Or like, you know, it didn't get like aroused to the point of like every moment. It's like, I want to like run after that. But it was just like, okay, cool. And then like the moment, the moment didn't meet my expectation in a way. So then I was like, okay. But but it did break the seal in the sense of like again like I don't have to say that I never did that and I also could at least one of the things that I liked about it was that it could it made me uh, able to like empathize or at least relate to people rather than basically thinking I'm on like a moral high ground or on a different playing field yeah where where did that come from the moral high ground part because I was able to refrain control. or yeah mm. yeah okay and then the people that could not control were victim to their desires or something like that yeah i mean again like i think a lot of it was just like the way that i I think it was just like society painted right it was like man everyone's like everyone's in danger of like again falling off the cliff Mm. if you're like close and i'm like ha 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 ha, i'm standing here at the zero yard line like i'm the only one who's like oh right absolutely in the clear you know like right right like i could actually confidently say i was a hundred percent in the clear like if there was a cliff, which I never even again see that this is the stupidity of the curiosity of no curiosities. I didn't even know if there was a cliff. I was told there was a cliff. Good enough for me. It's not that man. I think it's just fear. There's a lot of fear oh, involved. Yeah, yeah, okay, it's sure. all fear, yeah, right? Fear. I. I fear is no more powerful. Yeah. I think fear is much more powerful than curiosity most of the time. For other people, no. But the other people didn't have the fear. That's what the point is. Okay. Well, they. They. I guess they didn't take the fear because it was a fear. It was a fear-based marketing it's approach, a small right? Fear. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the marketing was very clearly fear-based yeah yeah right? i think so it wasn't like let me offer you something better it was like let me tell you like this is really bad <laughs> right they didn't offer something better than sex right it would have been that would have, that would have been a better marketing ploy there's nothing better than it <laughs> love no it's kidding <laughs> uh, now we're getting into something uh, else. No, I'm kidding. yeah i know man speaking of rom-coms love, no, rom-coms what's your favorite one? Ooh, number one yeah mm, crazy stupid love pretty good pretty good yeah pretty good you got number two? I have a lot. Keep what going. Are my, what are my other top ones? Man, I've watched so many. You ever watched One Harry Met Sally? That's a classic. I like it. Hmm? I wouldn't put it up at the very top. Dan in Real Life is really good. So that, that's a shout out to some of my other friends who introduced it to me recently. That okay. one's really good. Yeah. That's what, actually, those are both Steve Carell. That's, kind that's of, true. Yeah. Fair. Oh, is it, a, is it about time? 
Oh, <laughs> the one with Richard McAdams. That with one was the great. Tra- time travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that one's really good. That was good too. Yeah. Rom. One more rom com. One more rom com. Oh, uh, probably my most watched one is uh, the Holiday. What do you like about it? I just think it's a really great story. I'm not even like a huge fan of necessarily the actors or actresses, but yeah. I just thought it was like it's like the great it's like a great story of just like the spontaneity of like switching houses, like the setup of all the characters, like the meet cute of oh. like Jude Law walking into the house. Right. Right. And then like the innocence of like the next door neighbor, the old guy, and then Jack Black. Like, yeah. Like it, I thought it was like a perfectly written story. I'm always in the I I really like the search for like a perfect script. Yeah. Okay. And execution. I'm gonna take a guess that you really like the secret life of Walter Mitty. I liked it. I, I, I thought it was, it, it's, not, it's not my top, but yes. Okay. Yes, it was great. Okay. I guess I'm just saying that because of the concept of like, oh, this guy is one way and now he's going to completely go another direction and yeah. do adventure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that, like, yeah, in the genre, because I, w- I would say that one's less rom commy for me and more like adventure. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Not really a rom com. Yeah. Speaking of romance, I've uh, tried to do this myself with you, but like, uh, you've been dating in the past year much more than you have in the past right actually not that much in the past year like pre-covid okay i had given myself a chance so i mean again with the whole like control thing earlier i basically was like dating's another gateway to the cliff so like why why sure. bother sure and it took me away from my priorities of like work and other stuff like that um but at the same time like you know i became one of the few single people left in my friend groups as we got older yeah and not to anyone's fault, but like most of my friends would be like, you're missing out. Right. And I think to some extent that would be like, you know, the honest intention of that. There's so much good that I am like I could have if I, you know, moved into that phase of my life. Um, on the other hand, it also would be like they feel like oh, this is my personal take is like they feel and I could even feel also that like we're, we would lose the compatibility of our lives if I stayed single the longer they are, let's say, married or dating or like having families. Yeah. And so it becomes harder to like live in lockstep with each other, which is a great goal to have to like stay friends, right? Like I wouldn't say there's anything bad about wanting to stay like close friends with like the people that I have been with. Of course. Yeah. It's the most but, natural thing in but the world. I, but I, but I, I was putting that at risk because I was living a different life, right? Um, and so because I was very unwilling... The only step I was willing to take was uh, I, I told my I told everyone I knew I will never I will not turn down a setup. It could okay. be anywhere in the world. It could be with anyone. Yeah. I all I all I would ask for is a name and phone number. No picture. No bio. Nothing. Okay. And so I went on. Let's say probably like I want to say like thirty five over the course of like. Four years, thirty-five, thirty-five different, different, like different people. Blind dates, yes, completely blind. Yeah, like blind, like like I had a name and a phone number to enough to text them, hi, this person, and like want to meet up, like want to meet, like set up a set up like a date. Do you feel like you had a lot in common with these people, or was it just like I have with, a single friend and I have another single friend? Let me mash them together. It's it's tough. Like, yes, there to some extent it was. Uh, like I, I would ask the honest question to many of my friends who did the setups, which again, I really appreciate that they were even willing to do it, you know, mm. is uh, a lot of times I would ask like, why do you think we should, why, why do you think we match up, right? Yeah. And, you know, some of them would be honest and be like, yeah, it's like, you're the only two single people I know, right? <laughs> Part of it would also be like, um, I think in some ways, unfairly to both the girls that I went, I met and my friends yeah. was this, this statement of mine to like go on these mind dates could easily be construed as I'm ready for marriage or I'm ready for serious dating, um, which is what I had wanted to portray. But the reality was that I don't know if I if that was clearly true. And so a lot of times it'll be like, oh, you're gonna get I'm gonna match you up with someone who's serious about dating and marriage, right? Especially because we were all in our thirties. I think it's the age, yeah, for yeah. sure. And for sure the age thing for sure makes it much easier to make that assumption. Sure. Yeah. Um and so a lot of times it would be like, yeah, I'm going to this and I was totally willing and I made the bold proclamation. I made the bold proclamation that uh, if I met a girl, I would base. I could basically know very, very quickly. Let's say even within like the first like two two weeks or something, whether or not like I would want to like seriously date or marry them, right? So, so it's like for me, it was like it didn't seem like it would be that hard to know. Sometimes it is. Sometimes and, it and this, this again, this uh, 
and this is this is with me with zero experience, right? So obviously sure. I was talking out of my ass. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. That was a stage in my life where basically, yeah, I, I had some pretty pretty great and pretty crazy adventures uh taking this leap, right? Which which actually did line up with like, I guess, like this whole mindset of like exploring the world and all that stuff. Just like, you know, I I that was the way that that was actually in retrospect the best way I could have done it. So so yeah. You think so? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Again, we clarify as best for me, not most efficient. Right. Yeah. Well, what what was your thought on dating apps back then and even now? Uh, so I tried I tried dating apps um, at the same time. So basically, when I told that to all my friends, I also signed up for dating profiles. And I did it for about four months. Met up with, I think, one of them. One match in, okay. pers- in person. Okay. And it was, it was okay. I think the main reason why I turned it off after, like, it was like four to five months, was nothing really wrong with the dating apps. It was more like my approach to them was I felt like all I was doing was looking at pictures of 20 girls a day per app. <laughs> and that's it. I, I would say that that may also be a byproduct of, in my personal experience, the Bay being very like male to female ratio heavy and mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it ends up being that there's no progress made unless you basically are saying yes to everything. Something like um, that. Which I, which I did. And that still only led to one match. Okay. Right? And so that could also be a shout out to, I guess, pay would be, I did not get my profile curated by him. So could also (laughs) be that too. I went into it not trying to make it good, right? Again, self-sabotage. Self-sabotage, yes. Yes. But all that stuff being said, in the end, I felt like I was just scrolling through like pictures of girls. Yeah, that's what it is, yeah. Yeah, and nothing wrong with that either, but I was just like, uh, I'm good, you know? Yeah, so I have not used apps since then. Okay. Yeah, and I have also I also kind of backed off on my seriousness of dating because if to just to be more honest to myself and to other people, yeah, because you're actually maybe not serious or looking yes, for something I, serious. I would I would say my current view is I am too immature right now in my view of relationships with women to seriously date. Well, how do you get how do you get more mature without dating experience? I think a lot of it would be my personal growth. I think to some extent. I think also just releasing the pressure, releasing the pressure of the dating. I think I, I think I just jumped to the point of like, let's be seriously dating from the get go. Right? Yeah, I guess, I guess I, I know what you mean by that. It's kind of like, well, I think I'm supposed to do this now, so I'm just gonna be serious, right? Yeah, I mean, also like, you know, we're in the Bay Area, right? Like, I'm also in my, I was also in my 30s, and like, it's not really like yeah. the fun dating vibe, right? I just play. Yeah, <laughs> but I also don't try to get better. Ah, oh, God damn it. Okay, whatever. I know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, You walked into that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice try. Yeah. Throughout this process, do you feel like you figured out like any type of uh, preference or like any type of thoughts on the type of person you're looking for or who you're compatible with? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I would say mostly, if I'm being really honest with myself, no. The like the overly logical person to me or the person that wants to give you an answer would say, all I know especially from the Bay is that because I was going for serious dating, yeah, there were a lot of conversations I had with people I was on dates with where we would talk a lot about commitment and expectations in relationship, um, which I think is generally viewed as an inevitability of like, you know, marriage and like raising a family and partnership. Yeah. And I, in my experience, especially from, again, like the religious viewpoint of me with like god and stuff is like i am pretty resistant mm, that's that's too weak i am very resistant to expectation in relationship and yeah. unfortunately or fortunately i am probably even more opposed to it for myself at the moment and again that's why i call it immature in way because of my relationship with god and how he shows me no expectation okay yeah because of expectation there is a, a possibility of disappointing. Is that basically where your mind's at when you think about that word? Uh, ooh. yes. I I think the the largest part that um is abrasive to me is if we go back to the concept of control, is that expectations takes away my control. Mm, that's true. Yeah. Okay, that's true. And so it becomes like I like I have to relinquish control, which I think is a very amazing and incredible part of relationship. But that's what that's why I call it immaturity on my end. What's well, scary, right? So maybe this is another fear thing. That's a scary thing. Yeah, for sure. You're putting your entire heart or whatever your entire call it what you want. Yeah, you know, 
don't sign a prenup your entire you know, um, you know bank account yes. into this one person so so what's funny is i've told this to many people before uh, and maybe i'm not fully willing to put my money where my mouth is but i've told many people before that this whole aspect of control and expectations for me i would i think i would be okay for a lifetime of relationship or marriage or commitment all that stuff if it was an arranged marriage <laughs> if you Tell took more. if you took the control if you took the choice the personal choice out of it where it is not me who chooses but me who lives it out that sounds actually very doable for me but if you're asking me to choose that and then live it out that's a lot of expectation on myself have you been right. watching have you been watching indian matchmaker or what no no but I, you know i've thought about arranged marriage and stuff in the past and you know or even to some extent the joke of like my friends going like hey let me set up an online dating profile and let me choose a person for you right didn't i make that joke uh, many people have made that joke yes you included <laughs> i made it last week but okay. you know, or, or people have made it like, like years the, huh? like before i started doing the, the dating stuff yeah. i see okay yeah, yeah okay and i was like well my joke was like if there was if there was actually a company out there that could find a way to make the privacy and all that stuff work where it's literally friends sign up and get consent from their friend to put them up for each other, right? And whether or not the other side is also set up or not, like, mm -hmm. yeah, like it's arranged. Like, Funny um, you mentioned that. Yeah. Funny you mentioned that because that's actually how a lot of Indian dating sites work. Yeah, I, I, I actually admire and I think that I would probably vibe decently well with that to some extent. Now, again, that, that that's what I was saying. Like, I'm not willing to put my money where my mouth is, but I was saying like that would line up more with what my understanding what what i'm willing to put into relationship right like for me it's like it's like the vow part i don't want to do i just want to like get past that part like once the choice is gone and i didn't have to make it i'm good this makes me what is an analogy for this this is like uh and by the way i think all of this is wrong so it probably changes at some point but this is just how i feel right you think now. this is wrong like that's why, that's why i call it immature like i'm just saying like i think my like again, all the fear and the insecurity and the immaturity of it all. Like someday maybe that will change, but at the same time, also like this is just where I'm at, right? Like to have like the self assurance or like to be okay with that being the case. I think probably a lot of people that you interact with, maybe they're used to it now, but when they weren't used to this, they're like, "What the? F no, and they're not like what the fuck. They're just like, how can you hold these two competing ideas in your head?" Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, people are very frustrated with me all the time, yes. Yeah, I am. My, my friends. I'm yes. also included in that sometimes. Yes. But I think the more that I think about it, the less I am because I'm like, yeah, yeah I, I start to also understand and think about my own experiences where it's like, oh, it's just, you have to experience it for yourself. Yes. And for you, you certainly, you are certainly the type of person that because of your contrarian nature, you have to be like, okay, now I get it. Yeah, I'm, I, I've known for a long time and probably prefer this way that I would, I will always end up taking a path to the same result or outcome as other people I know or my friends, I'll be taking a different path. And the hardest part sometimes is for people to know that that's okay, like that to, to accept that. Yeah, I, right. I, I agree. Um, because I'm because I'm an idiot and don't want to take the easy one. No, I don't think they're... No, they're you know, idiots do exist, but I Oh, sorry, yeah. I, I think this is more of a... What, what are the words? Control, fear, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. expectation. All, you know? all those words, yeah. All those all cute true. little buzzwords. Yeah, it's not really about idiocy. Actually, if you take if you take that aside, just if you if you're thinking about fear and expectation and control, this is actually the smartest thing to do. Yes, do it this way. I, I believe I do wholly believe that. Of course you do. <laughs> I'm living it. Yeah, you're living it. And I am too stubborn to change. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I thought of what what one of my taglines for you will be: most stubborn friend ever. <laughs> Thanks. I uh, I will feel some pride over that. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. I think you need a podcast. Uh, people have brought that up before as well. And again, inefficiently uh, is is a uh, is more fun that way. And uh, and I told you earlier before. Also, one of the things that I really love to do is tell a story over and over again. So if I put it online, uh, might not be able to say it as often well, anymore. You, sh you shot your wad. Yeah. Can't yeah. 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 Same story. Yeah. I, 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 okay. Again, not to not to like downplay anyone else's stuff, but like I I know like for instance like if you post like a you post a story or a, a post on IG or something, right? Like a lot of times people will be like, oh, I I I heard that story from you already. I, I read the caption. I saw the picture. I, sure. I saw I saw what you posted. I have now heard your story, and I'm like, shoot, I wanted to say it, you know, <laughs> right? So like right now when I'm in okay. Thailand, a bunch of people are asking me for photos or like you know tell them what's going on and i'm like no meet up with me when i get back yeah i'll tell you the for the I'll, you'll be the 50th, 50th person i tell 
and it'll be really damn good at that point because you'll say oh, it so many I, times. I uh, I have two movies that uh, that uh, I identify as like the epitome of who I am, and okay. uh, so they they are Big Fish and Tin Cup, and so the Big Fish part is that like telling the story like hundreds of times it like the fish gets bigger every time okay. and that's like the concept of big fish right it's like okay. like it may have been like a little guppy right but by the time i tell it for the 200th time that story i'm gonna be a freaking marlin dude yeah right <laughs> and right. i am going to be like living that story up okay and that that is like my purpose in life <laughs> what about tin cup Oh, so Tin Cup... Uh, you might need a refresher on what Tin Cup is. Oh, so Tin Cup's movie with Kevin Costner about he's like a amateur golfer, pro, pro golfer, but like he's never made it big. And uh, part of the reason why is because he always gets in his own head and then like never plays for the win, but plays for glory. And I would say that is me to a T, right? I will self-sabotage for the actual victory to chase and fail at glory. So the example of the climax spoiler alert is they're playing like the U.S. Open and he is in the lead because he had like an amazing run. And there's a shot that like everyone's like his ball is at a place where there's a, there's an impossible shot. But he's like, I can make that shot. And he has if he just doesn't take that shot and hits around this like it's like a it's like a moat. Right. He's guaranteed the U.S. Open victory. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's like, I can take this shot and one. So he, you know his caddy everyone telling him like don't do it and he he strikes it right and then he and then everyone's like oh my gosh it can make it and it makes it but then it rolls off the cliff into the water right and they're like okay 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 now just do the thing you were going to do before and go for the tie and then win in tiebreaker right mm-hmm. and he's like no 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 i shanked it a little bit on that hit i can i can go again I can this, go again. This does make me think right? of you a little bit. Yeah. And then he's like, and then, and then, and then everyone's like, are you crazy? Yeah. Not only did you give up the chance to win, you're giving up the chance to win in tiebreaker. And yeah. he's like, all right, give me another ball. I hit it. Not even close. Right. Okay. And I guess, I don't know if this is true, but in golf, in this movie, you have like a limited number of balls. And so Kevin Costner continues at this point, he is now out of winning. Mm-hmm. He cannot win. He's like, I'm going to hit this shot. He takes every single ball and just keeps going at it. A lot of them just like, don't even make it close. One ball left. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's a movie, so you know what happens. Gets it. Right? Gets it. Yeah. Hole in one. Not like The whole point was just get it over and land on the green. But it's hole in one, right? Obviously right. that's the glory, right? Right. Um, and then like, you know, everyone goes crazy. And then you see like the winner, like just walk, you know, like he's like walking around trying to get autographs. But everyone wants to like talk to this guy. Okay. And um, and then the 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 rom-com part of it, the his romantic interest runs in, runs to him and goes like, and he's like, I'm an idiot. I just lost the U.S. Open. And she's like, no one remembers who wins the U.S. Open 50 years later, but they're going to be talking about your shot for eternity. Anyway, that, mm. that's that's uh, that's the tin cup part of it for me. <laughs> Feels so. like a wrong uh, lesson to learn. But okay, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yet, yeah. like I said, those are the two Those are the two stories that uh, epitomize, from a movie standpoint, my wow. The identity. tin cup one, really? It does. Yeah, yeah it right? does. Yeah. As I was, as you were saying that, I was just nodding. I was like, uh-huh, "Yes, uh-huh, yes, right, yes." Henry, it's forty degrees outside. No, uh, Henry, <laughs> eat this, eat this broccoli. No, Henry, go sleep more than three hours. No, I was like, like, like no one, no one goes into the snow in t-shirts, shorts, and sandals. And I'm like, glory. Yeah, no one can operate on less than two hours of sleep a day. Glory, glory. Yeah, I stayed up ninety six hours to see how long I could go. Glory. Uh, and then the vegetables. Vegetables, like, I mean, everyone's like, well, I mean, what? Like, I'm still alive. I think you just get massive. I'm, well, I'm, I'm still alive. No, I have no bowel movement problems. Really? None. I mean, if I had a reason to eat vegetables, that'd be one thing. Everyone's just telling me to do it like preventatively. I still don't really know what the purpose of vegetables are other than they taste really good in hot pot when they're melted. Vitamins, man. Yeah, but, but, but I don't like, like, I don't see no direct impact on my life with vitamins. It's because you don't have a control. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, the vegetable thing is like, you know, I, maybe if there was some kind of like reason, you know, like maybe when I get diabetes, something changes, but you know, I don't know so far it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I, I go get checked every year to find out if I have it and everyone's like, you should, How's and your therefore your life will change. And How's your blood work? It's all good. Mm, okay. Well, I'm not supposed to be, I'm just overweight. That's all. all right. Well, that's, yeah, there are worse people for that, you know? Yeah. There's fatter. You're not really fat. Okay, I think it's probably a good a good place to wrap this up. Um, what is a model that you live your life by? Hmm. I mean, I can think about it. My initial my initial reaction is I pretty much told you what the two movies that's uh, 
I, I still feel like I, I figured out those two movies like over a decade ago and they still ring true to this day. Whether or not that's healthy or not uh, can leave it up to you. Is it, is it a motto? I mean, so it's one word. Motto, philosophy. Yeah, it's one word. Abide. This is maybe more on the religious side. But yeah, so abide. Um, it was kind of like the breakthrough I needed from my walk of faith um, where like uh, abide is to rest in Christ. And the, I guess like the verse that it's in is really beautiful. It talks about like Christ is a vine and we are the branches. Mm. And if you like take the picture of like a plant, the and then talks about how like the the branch will have will have fruit produced on it. And the interesting idea is the um, the branch does not produce the fruit itself. The vine is the one that pushes the nutrients into the branch and decides in some ways where the fruit blossoms or blooms or grows. And so I think that's a, like a really apt and beautiful description of how I live my life now, which is I believe that there is someone that I have ceded control to in terms of the most important thing in my life, which is producing fruit. And that fruit is grown and, and made by this other thing that I have given that power over to, that I entrust in a relationship to. And, and my role is to not get in the way. My role is to rest in the vine as a branch and know that I am a branch and be fully and wholly satisfied that the vine provides the nutrients and produces the fruit and that that fruit is like on my, on me as a branch. And I think that's like very beautiful. Yeah. Okay. And I, I spent three years like di diving into that verse and I still wrestle and think about that every day. Okay. Yeah. Spell it A-B-I-D-E. Okay. Thanks, Henry. Hey, pals!